is from. I want to preach to you this morning from John 15 on the ABCs of the Christian life. The ABCs are the basics. They're the essentials. If you're going to read a book, if you're going to write anything, if you're going to do anything with words, you have to know your ABCs. But in order to function as a human being and in order to be able to carry on in life and read stop signs as you go down the road or you read billboards or you read the news, I guess people still read the newspaper, or you read um, news online or you see those things to understand words, you have to go beyond the basics. So in our Christian life, what I'm going to say to you this morning, these basics are not all that is necessary, but you cannot do all that is necessary if you don't first get these. And everything else that we do ought to flow out of this. This is some very, these are just some core principles, some core things. And Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's getting ready, he has told them that he's getting ready to depart from this world. And he says, as I depart, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. We saw last week the gift of the Holy Spirit that God has given to us. Aren't you glad for what a wonderful gift the Holy Spirit is to us? For us to do all that we are to do in order to be followers of Christ and for us to be all that we must be as followers of Christ. I can think back over my life and there's some gifts that stand out. There's some things people gave me over the years that really I think back as a child and this will go back for some of you but I remember before Christmas the months leading up they always got the Sears and Roebuck wish, wish list. It wasn't a wish, it was a whoosh, a whoosh book. Y'all remember the whoosh book? Some of y'all don't know what whoosh means but it's what you wish for. And I remember circling a couple of things. We knew that we were going to get one gift out of the wish book. The rest of it was going to be underwear and socks, but we were going to get that one gift. And I still remember some of those gifts. I remember when I was about 10, 11 years old, I got a little football game that had three or four little red dots on it. Some of you all know exactly what I'm talking about. And Paul, you remember, okay. The rest of them just lined. Some of them remembered. Some of them probably still got it at home and still play with it. It was the original it was the original handheld game. And man, you could play, there was only about, there was just, the graphics were basic, there was little dots. And see, I can still remember that 40-something years later, and <laughs> that gift stands out in my mind. Let me tell you something, there's no gift you or I have ever received like the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus has said, here's the gift that I'm going to give you, and he's the one, I'm getting ready to go away, and he's the one that will make it possible for you to live the Christian life, to live as a follower of me after I'm gone. And what is that going to look like? And I love this because, because he was speaking about his departure and about going away, what he said to them is essential for us as well. And I want you to see this this morning. Because wherever you are in your life, whether you're on a mountaintop or whether you're in your lowest valley, whether you're struggling, whether you feel so close to God that you almost feel in your devotional time that you're going to bump into Him, or whether you have spent weeks on end praying and seeking God's face and feeling like the heavens are brass and feeling like your prayers are not getting through, no matter where you are, these three simple truths are essential for us today. And I'm glad that God, though it's not in the way it was written, but in our language, it makes it as simple as ABC. I'm going to read these verses to you this morning, and then I want to draw your attention to the truths from it. John 15 and verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears fruit, bears not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. 
Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you are at a serious disadvantage. Is that what your Bible says? If it is, you've got a wrong kind of Bible. But isn't that how we often treat the Christian life? Well, I'm going to do the best I can, and God's going to make up the difference. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. You know what that word means? Absolutely nothing. That's exactly what, what you see it say. That's what it says. If a man abide not in me, verse 6, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. This is how you'll be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Three simple principles. Jesus is saying, here's what it's going to look like for you to be my disciples. So wherever you are this morning, whatever's going on in your life, you need to look at these three things. Very simply, the first word Jesus uses that is throughout this passage is A, abide. It's the principle of fellowship. Abide in me. He said, you're in me, but you're going to need to abide in me. Sometimes people try to make that the same thing. It's two different things. Once you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you are in Christ Jesus. That does not change. No man can pluck you out of the Father's hand. That is permanent, that is sealed, that is eternal. But to abide takes it to a different level. Many of us are satisfied in something that is different from what I'm talking about. There's a difference between relationship and fellowship. When I became a part of God's family, I came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I came into a relationship with my Heavenly Father. But there's a difference between being in relationship and having fellowship. This can often happen in families. We see it where the relationship is still there. A person is still a son or a daughter, or they're still a member of the family, but that fellowship, that closeness is not what it once was. This is often true. We see this in our day uh, with social media. There are people on social media that you have a connection with, you have a relationship with, but you don't really fellowship with them. Someone has said that social media is great about causing you to be in contact with people that you spent years trying to get out of contact with. So we can have a little bit, we have just enough contact. We see when their birthday is and we wish them happy birthday and we see their kids growing up and we see them, all the things going on, but we don't really sit down and have any fellowship with them. Unfortunately, this doesn't always happen because of distance. Sometimes the distance is physical where a person lives. Sometimes it's an emotional distance. Anger comes up in a person's heart. And that friend that we used to have a fellowship with, we no longer, we would still say, well, that's my friend, but we're not as close as we once were. There are those who are satisfied with the fact that they have a relationship with Christ. They are a child of God, but they don't spend a lot of time and a lot of thought in abiding in Christ, in dwelling in Him, being in Him as He is in us. What does that look like? What is the difference? Well, I've thought about this a little bit this morning. I thought about some of the distinctions. 
A person who is focused on relationship rather than fellowship is going to be focused on style rather than substance. They, they want to look, they, they look good on the outside, but there's no substance to it. There's no substance to their devotional life. There's no substance to their worship. They know how to look good, and they have the style on the outside, but the substance, there's no reality to it there. And that's the difference, too, the, the, the idea of something and the reality of it. A person who's satisfied with a relationship, you know, we all like the idea of things. Some people like, I've, I've often said to my sons, everybody wants to graduate, but nobody wants to do the homework. Nobody wants to take the tests. Many of us like the idea of being in shape, but we don't want the process. We don't want the reality of having to work. We don't want to do the work to get there. Some people like the idea of a, a solid family and a solid marriage, but they don't want to put in the effort that it's going to take to get to that point. Some people like the idea of being a good Christian, of being a, a true Christian, but they don't want to put in the effort that it takes, the process that it takes to be what we ought to be. And so they are satisfied with the relationship. I'm a child of God. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm saved and I know that I am. I like that song. This is something more than that. It's abiding in him. It's that fellowship with him. And it's the idea of it versus the reality of it. How do we abide in Christ? This is one of those commands that's real easy for us to sort of say, but not really know. For most of my life, I heard people say, be filled with the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit. But it was some time before I actually began to study and hear and find out what does that actually mean. And it's the Holy Spirit being in control. But abiding in Christ is a key thought throughout Scripture. You could go to Psalm 91, and he says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. That's what this abiding is. It's dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. What is the secret place of the Most High? Well, the next phrase tells us something about that. He shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, under the wings of God, under His wings. Well, I trust. Where are the wings? In the, in the holy place. They are the, on the angels on the Ark of the Covenant. And He's talking about coming into the holy place, coming into the presence of God, abiding there. Now, we think of coming into the presence of God while we went to church. No, I'm talking about spiritually, beginning each day, coming into the presence of God and then staying there. Pastor, you mean I have to stay on my knees all through the day? What about my job? What about my family? What about school? No, we physically or spiritually can enter into the presence of God to draw near, as the book of Hebrews says. And we can do that from any place. We don't have to be on our knees. You can be riding down the road. You can be sitting in a chair. You can be walking. You can be running. You can be doing any sorts of things. It doesn't matter. You can enter into the presence of God to draw near with a pure heart and clean hands, the Bible says. Come boldly to the throne of grace. There's so many different phrases that talk about this. And then we abide there. As we go about our day, we maintain that sense of the presence of God. You'll carry some of that with you when you leave here today. We've worshipped the Lord this morning, and what a blessing it's been to experience that presence of God. But we carry that with us to enter into His presence and to abide in His presence. This is key. This is, this is the, look, that's what we're calling you to. When we sing these songs about, let me tell you about my Jesus, some of you can't abide in Him because you don't know Him as your Savior. But we're calling to you saying, Jesus is calling you to come to Him. Let me tell you about my Jesus. We've sung these songs this morning that have exalted Christ. And it's not just to know a few more phrases or words about Him. It is to know Him 
in fellowship. It is to walk with Him, to abide in His presence. What do you need when you're going through that valley? You need to abide in Christ. What do you need when you've got that challenge? You need to abide in Christ. You need fellowship with Him, not just thinking about thoughts about Him, not just saying words about Him, but encountering Him as a personal friend, as someone that you have more than just a relationship, you experience fellowship with, and to abide in Him. Look at all the times that you see this word. Jesus emphasizes this. This is important. This is the most basic truth that we can find in the Christian life. Verse 4, abide in me. Abide, accept it, abide in the vine. Three times in verse 4, I've noticed it. There's other places that I probably have missed, but there's another time in verse 5. He that abides in me. Verse 6, if a man abides in me. Over into chapters, in verse 7 rather, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Verse 10, you shall abide in my love, even as I abide in the Father's love. That's a key thought. That's an important understanding. And he says, I want you to abide. So my question to you this morning are you abiding in Christ? I'm not asking you, I would first ask you if you're saved. Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? And if you haven't, please do that today. There is nothing like knowing Christ personally. Not just knowing about Him, but knowing Him. And you have the privilege to have a personal relationship and personal fellowship with the God of the universe. What a privilege that is. So I invite you to that. But, for those of you who know Christ as your Savior, are you abiding in Him? Well, Pastor, I'm, I'm still not real sure or clear about what it means to abide. I think I have a little bit of an idea. Here's what I tell you to do, and this is what I've experienced. You act on what you know, and God will reveal more to you. You see, God judges the intent of my heart, and when my understanding is insufficient... He will teach me as I follow. With the light that I do have and the understanding that I do have, I will seek to come into His presence and abide there. And as I do that, He's the one that teaches me. As the old country preacher said, these are things that are better felt than telt. You have to experience them, but as you experience them, God teaches you more. And let me say that if you are a, if you are a believer, if you've trusted Christ, this is not for some spiritual elite squad. This is not for the special forces of the church. This is for every single believer. Every person that is in Christ is in the vine. And if you are in the vine, Jesus says, abide in me. Draw your strength. Draw your life from me. Whatever you're going through, that's what you need. You need His life. You need His power, the work of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ flowing in you and working in you and drawing you closer to Him. So abide the principle of fellowship are you abiding? When we abide, then something happens. He said, if any man abide in me, he will bring forth fruit. The second word, the V, is bear. Abide and bear. Bear fruit. We see this throughout. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he purges. Verse 4, the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Verse 5, the same brings forth or bears much fruit. He goes all the way through these verses speaking about the fruit bearing that takes place. I'd point out to you that we are not the ones who produce the fruit. There are a lot of Christians who are trying to produce spiritual fruit. You and I cannot produce the fruit of the Spirit. If it wasn't, if we did, it wouldn't be the fruit of the Spirit, it'd be the fruit of Cameron. 
to be the fruit of you. It's the fruit of the Spirit. We simply bear it. We are fruit bearers, or we should be. And he says, I want you to bear fruit. He does a couple of things in our life, and this shows us that the work of God in our lives is for us to bring forth fruit. Whatever's happening in your life, and I know as I was watching the choir sing, I thought about some of you who were up here singing praises to God, and He's worthy, and you're singing about Christ, and I thought, they have experienced Christ in these days. Some of you have gone through grief. Some of you have gone through loss of a family member. Some of you have gone through physical challenges. And the praise and the, the worship of Christ that's flowing out, you have experienced Christ. But wherever you are and whatever you need, He is at work in your life. And what is He doing? He is trying to make us more fruitful. His goal is to move us from no fruit to fruit to more fruit to much fruit. If you follow through this passage, that's exactly what He says. And He says if you're not bearing any fruit, He takes the, he takes the branch away. Now sometimes we impose an, an American English understanding of that. If we say that God took somebody away, we generally think, okay, God killed them. He took them out. But the idea of the husbandman and the branch, they tell me, is that a branch that's not bearing fruit is one that has been pulled down into the mud and into the dirt. And it's not bearing fruit because it's too entrenched in the, th in the earth. Boy, sometimes Christians don't bear fruit because they're so caught up in the things of this earth and the things of this world. And so the husbandman will come along and he will take that branch gently out of the dirt. He'll take it away. He will lift it up and he will tie it up so that it's no longer in the dirt. Why? Because he still wants that branch to bear fruit. And he says if it bears fruit, he purges it, he prunes it so that it will bring forth more fruit. Some of you are bearing fruit and you're in a fruit-bearing place in your life, but God wants you to bring forth more fruit. And so he's going to be at work. Whatever he's doing in your life is for the purpose to, to evoke a greater fruitfulness, to bring forth, produce more fruit in your life for you to bear. But then notice, how does God get glory? Look over in verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear what? Bear much fruit. Are you fruitful? Well, you know, there was a time when I heard this preached and taught, and it was always about that the fruit of a Christian is other Christians, that we share the gospel and we win people to Christ. Should a Christian be a testimony? Should we witness? Should we share the gospel? Absolutely. But you know what the fruitfulness of a Christian is? It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit at work in us, making us like Jesus Christ. And that's what God wants to bring out in our lives. The love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, and temperance. That's what he's doing. That's what he wants you to produce a whole lot of. If you look at your life this morning, are you seeing no fruit? Are you seeing some fruit, more fruit, or much fruit? Abide and bear. Now let me point out something to you that Jesus says. He says in verse 5, He that abides in me and I in him, the same bring forth, brings forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Without me you can do nothing. We can't bear fruit apart from abiding. Now, the more we abide, he said, abide in me and I in you. The branch bears fruit when it abides. So abiding is necessary for bearing. You can't bear fruit if you're not abiding. You see how this is the basic, this is the primary thing? 
you don't abide in Christ, you're not going to bring forth fruit. The more you abide in Him, the more fruit you're going to bear. So what do we focus on? Do we focus on trying to look more like a fruit-bearing branch, or do we abide in the vine and draw our life from the vine? You get that right, and the rest will fall in place. And so we bear fruit, and more fruit, and much fruit. Which brings us to the letter C. A is abide, the principle of fellowship. B is bear, the principle of fruitfulness. But C is continue, the principle of faithfulness. Look in verse, in verse 10, or verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. The principle of faithfulness. Fellowship is about His love in us. Fruitfulness is about His life in us. And fellowship and fruitfulness are about being faithful. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. We're talking about consistency. The longer I've lived, the greater I value consistency and faithfulness. You see, God didn't call us to be famous Christians. He called us to be faithful Christians. And if abiding brings fruitfulness, if abiding makes, helps me bear fruit, then I need to do that consistently. I need to continue in that. You see, there's times where one of the, one of the things of those who love relationships rather than um, fellowship, they love events rather than the process. There are times in our Christian life that are major events. Some of you can remember. Now, some, some our memories are not what they used to be, and sometimes it's a, we remember the general time or area when something happened, but we remember the moment that we got saved. That was an important event. I remember when I trusted Christ as my Savior. I remember when I was baptized. I was six years old. I stood on a cement block, and I remember as my dad held me back to the water, the the rock, uh, the, stone, the rock wobbled a little bit. thought he was going to drown me. I thought I was going to tip on over. Probably some time since then, he wished he had to drown me and then had taken care of a lot of other problems. I remember certain times in revivals and camp meetings and special services when God spoke to my heart about sp special things. But you know, the Christian life is not about, a, a, a relationship and fellowship is not about just those moments, those events, as wonderful as they are. It's about an ongoing process. It's the same with our human relationships. I think about my relationship with Lynn. I remember the moment when I first saw her. I don't know that it was love at first sight at her part, but it was pretty close on my part. I remember the moment when I asked her to marry me. I remember the moment when we got married and stood before friends and family at Northside Baptist Church in North Charleston, South Carolina, and made our vows to each other. I remember that moment. I remember other special events and times in our married life when we celebrated an anniversary or when our sons were born or different events took place, and those are wonderful. But that's not the, that's not the whole of our relationship. Our relationship are not just those major days. They are those every single days when, when we look back and we would say, well, nothing really big happened that day. Because most, if we're honest, most of our lives are a lot of days where nothing happens. It's not big moments. 
And if we don't grasp that the Christian life is largely made up of those kind of days, when we open the Word of God, and thank God for the days when you open the Scriptures, and God quickens a word to your heart, and it speaks to where you are, and you're blessed by it, and you anchor into that promise, and you claim that promise, and you praise the Lord for it. But there are other times when you open the Bible, and you read a chapter, or you read two chapters, and you, you don't really get that aha moment, that eureka moment. And you pray, and it's just an ordinary, average day. But you are in fellowship with your Heavenly Father. Consistent. He says, continue in my love on the good days and the bad days and the exciting days and the events and the moments and the drudgery and the boredom and the things that you go through. Be faithful. Continue. It's been great for three years. I've been here with you. But I'm no longer going to be here. The Holy Spirit's going to come and He's going to be in your heart as you go to this country and He's going to be in your heart as you go to this country and you die in Rome and you go here. The Holy Spirit's going to be with you, but you're no longer going to be in the physical presence of the Savior. But you're going to continue in my love. Abide in me. And when you abide in me, you're going to bear fruit and you're going to continue. Stay faithful. So along with the question that I asked this morning, are you abiding in Christ? Are you bearing fruit? Are you fruitful? Are you continuing? Or do you find your Christian life to be a consistent pattern of ups and downs, dips and turns? Continue in His love. Three very simple things. Three simple words. And I believe these are truths that will help that are so simple that we can remember. Abide, bear, continue. Walk in fellowship with Him. I ask you this morning, are you enjoying your fellowship with Christ? I'm not up here to tell you that since this is a command, you just better push through and do this. I'm here to tell you that like all of God's commands, these are not mere duty, they are delight. What a privilege, what a blessing that we get to come into the presence of God. This morning you may be carrying a burden or a need and you may need to come right now and when we have the invitation or come before the invitation and come into the presence of God and say, God, I just want to abide in you. Maybe you need to come and say, God, I've not been as fruitful as I need to be. I want to be more fruitful. I want to be more like Christ. Please, Lord, work in me to bring forth more fruit. Maybe you're struggling with faithfulness and you, you're ready to throw on the towel and quit and you've, you've tried to live your life for God and things have just not gone the way you thought they should and you just need to pray, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit's the one that makes all these possible. He's the one that makes fellowship with, our, with Christ possible. He's the one that produces the fruit in us and he's the one that empowers us to be faithful. But to call out to him and say, God, I need your help. I can assure you that you and I cannot be the Christians that God has saved us to be on our own. Without Him, we can do nothing. But the reverse of that is also true. With Him, I can be and do everything that God has saved me to be and to do. And there's nothing you will experience or go through that you cannot do so in the strength of the Holy Spirit. So abide, bear, and continue. Father, I pray this morning, in this moment, that you will speak to our hearts, 
But Lord, I pray that this truth and these questions will follow us, that Lord, we will ask ourselves, what do I need to do in response to this truth? What do I need to do to be obedient to this passage? Father, speak to our hearts, we pray this morning. May we be obedient, we pray.